touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. So sports aren't always fun, right? We love sports. We love watching sports, talking about sports, reading about sports, but they're not always fun, right? Of course, our teams have bad games and they're boring games. And last night and and this morning, I I was thinking back to last fall, uh, last Packers season, specifically the game against the Arizona Cardinals, right? When Josh Rosen and, uh, (laughs) and the terrible Arizona Cardinals came into Lambeau Field and won. Right, do you remember this game? I think it was a noon. It was a noon game on uh, on Sunday. I didn't want to watch the game. I, I didn't want to watch. I had to because the Packers are my team. I am a football fan, and I have to come here and, and do this show, right, and talk about the Packers games. It would be dumb. It would be terrible for me to not watch the game and then try to come in here and do a good job, right? I was forced to watch the game, and, and that whole Sunday, that whole game, all I could think of was, man, I want to go do something else. This feels like a chore. I'm tired. I don't care. I want to go do something else, right? And if we're lucky as sports fans, those games, uh, those experiences are few and far between, right? And I remember during that Packer game, the Packers-Cardinals game, I had uh, homework I had to do. I had a paper I had to work on, and I needed to get to the library. I needed to get to Murphy Library at UWL. And the whole game, all I could think of was, man, I wish I, wish I was at the library right now not watching the Packers. I don't know if there's another time in my life where I have experienced that, where I would actually rather have been at the library working on something than sitting at home with my friends, with my roommates, watching a Packer game, right? But that was my experience last fall. Last night, the Brewers got one hit. They got shut out 3-0 by the Cardinals, and I felt that same way. There are a lot of boring Brewer games. There's 162 games every season. They can't all be awesome, right? There are boring games. There are blowouts. But very rarely do I think, man, I wish I was doing anything else instead of watching this Brewers game. And I felt that last night. It felt like a chore watching the Brewers get one hit, watching them get shut out by the Cardinals, watching the offense look inept and the starting pitching decent. Because, of course, when the offense shuts down, the starting pitching is okay. The relief pitching is okay. They just never go together, right? Success but from the offense and the pitching can can never be combined. Last night felt like a chore. It was exhausting. Are the Brewers starting to feel exhausting to you? Is that unfair? Is that an unfair question to ask? Is that unfair burden and expectation we're putting on this Brewers team? I don't know. But last night, it certainly felt like a chore watching. Zero to three, one hit. It just feels like the Brewers continue to lose more games than they're winning. Now they're only just a handful, a small handful of games Above 500, 64 and 61, three games over 500. And last night, watching that game felt like a chore. And I watched at a bar. It's not like I was locked in a room by myself with nothing going on. I was at a bar and I was bored. Felt like a chore last night. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, presented by Played Against Sports. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Now, today's actually kind of a cool day. Uh, the Wisco Sports Show started a year ago today, August 20th, uh, last August. Uh, It was a Monday last year, obviously, but we have been now going uh, for a full year, and it's been so much fun. It has been a a great pleasure to come in here and and, and talk with all of you, to talk on the phone, to to interact with you on Twitter, and actually get to know a lot of people over the course of this year. I wanted to say thank you 
uh, for tuning in and, and sticking with me as, as this show has, I think, really gotten a lot better over the last year. Uh, and I've just had so much fun. So I thought today, why don't we look back a year ago today where the Brewers were last August 20th, right? The, the first day that, that this show started. The Brewers had just beaten the Reds. They beat them by a, a final score of 5-2. to two, And they were first place currently in, in the NL Central. And last year, on August 20th, the Brewers were 70-57. and 57. That's 13 games over 500. The Brewers are currently three games over 500. That's quite the difference. And I know Brewer fans, and, and I, I fall into this group as well, we love to think back to last year. Well, remember when, when we thought all was lost and we thought the Brewers were playing for a wild card and then what, the, what did they do? They got hot and they came back and they stole the division away from the Cubs and they came within an eyelash of the World Series. We love to bring that up, right? Well, do we remember actually how much better the Brewers were last year? The Brewers on August 20th, 2019 are three games over 500, right? With the highest payroll they've ever had following a year where they came within, like I said, an eyelash of the World Series. Well, last year on August 20th, the Brewers had just beaten the Reds and they were 13 games over 500. They had collected 10 more wins by this time. And I'm just looking at the game recap from a year ago, how, how things have changed. Yeah, Christian Yelich had a home run in that game, but Travis Shaw hit a home run, knocked in Jesus Aguilar, Keon Broxton tripled in a run. Manny Pena hit a sacrifice fly to score a run. And look, Manny Pena's actually played really well, so he might be the one the one constant in all of this. But things have changed over the course of 365 days. Now, we love to hold on to the possibility that the Brewers could still get hot, they, they could still storm back at the 11th hour and, and, and take this thing, right? And yeah, that possibility's still there, but we're ignoring every other detail. We're ignoring the fact that last year this time, yeah, the Brewers were in the lead of the division, and, and then they would lose it and then come back and, and, and have this incredible finish to the year, but they were actually way better. They were 10 wins better. They had three or four closer caliber pitchers in their bullpen. If I, I'm looking right now. Last year, on August 20th, it took the Brewers three pitchers to get through the game. Chase Anderson went six innings. Josh Hader went two, struck out three, didn't give up a hit. Jeremy Jeffers got the save, walked a man, struck out a man, gave up a hit, but but got through it. No runs. And the Brewers won five to two. Feels like so long ago when the Brewers had peak Josh Hader, peak Jeremy Jeffers, peak Corey Knable, peak Corbin Burns. Oh my God, that might be the biggest difference. And then they brought in, uh, of course, Joaquin Soria to, to, to bolster that bullpen even further. I know the possibility is still there that the Brewers go on a run, just like they did last year. And the prospect and the potential is still there. But let's not act like this Brewers team is a carbon copy of the team we saw last year on August 20th when this show first started. They were 10 wins better. This Brewers team is, is probably right where they should be. A small handful of games over 500 with a couple flashy performances here and there, but just really not good enough to get over the hump. And we continue to see that. Now, the Brewers are going to continue their, their series against the Cubs tonight. And remember, they hadn't played the Cubs, or the Cardinals, excuse me, not the Cubs. They hadn't played the Cardinals since late April. It's been that long. And they have a, a couple of uh, a series with the Cardinals and obviously more games in the division with the Cubs and with the Cardinals teams uh, above them in the standings. And they're going to have to win a lot more of these division games than they lose. They didn't do themselves any favors last night by only collecting one hit. And that hit was fair by a couple of inches. Right? Yasmani Grandal just snuck it in down the line to, to, to have that one hit, that double, of course, in the in the eighth inning. They got to win a couple of these games against the Cardinals because these division games in May, 
yeah, you can drop a couple games to, to the Redbirds. You can lose a game here or there to the Cubs. But but coming down the stretch, getting into late August, early September, these games are so meaningful. And, and they are put under the microscope. Tonight is going to be put under the microscope as well. Now, the Brewers are going to play against the Cardinals once again. Pre-game is 6-10 here on WKTY. And I hope tonight doesn't feel like a chore because I'm going to be watching. You're going to be watching. You're going to be listening, right? We hope the result is better. But <laughs> the Cardinals have actually thrown a couple of shutouts. I believe that was their third in their last 10 days. It was their third shutout in their last seven games. Excuse me. I thought that's. I thought that seemed incorrect. Three shutouts in the last seven games. And you might think, okay, well, they're due. Man, the, the Brewers, Brewers are due. Cardinals are due. We're going to have a bloodbath. Brewers are going to put up some runs tonight. Well, they're, they're actually going against Michael Waka. And the Cardinals right-handed pitcher Michael Waka is one of three pitchers to have a perfect career winning percentage against the Brewers with 10 or more starts. In his career, he's 6-0, and and he has held the Brewers to two or fewer runs in each of his last four outings. Like, Michael Walk has been a Brewer killer, so it doesn't get any easier tonight. And the Cardinals are playing well, and they're pitching well, and they've been shutting a lot of teams out. It's nothing new. Brewers got to score more runs. Pitching's got to be better. It's just an inconsistent team, and right now, watching them feels like a chore. We're going to continue to talk, well, Wisconsin sports. We're going to talk Packers. Uh, we're going to be joined by WIZM and WK2I's Drew Kelly. Uh, and it's been a while since we've talked to Drew, somebody we touched base with a lot last year during high school football season and high school basketball season to talk Aquinas girls basketball, Central boys basketball. Well, talk every team, but it's, it seems like a lot we were focusing on those teams. And, and, of course, he covers UWL sports and is the voice of just about every single live game here on WKTY. And high school football season gets underway this Thursday, so he's going to join us at the end of the hour as well. And that leaves plenty of room for you if you want to join. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. We're going to keep the Wisconsin sports chatter going. This is the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports. Be back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. We're talking Brewers, and I, I got to admit, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but watching last night's game felt like a chore. I wanted to do something else. Brewers uh, only come up with one hit, get shut out by the Cardinals, which is becoming a theme. The Cardinals are playing very well, and I don't want to discount that. They have three shutouts in their last seven games. They beat the Brewers last night 3-0 to one, or three zero, uh, to start the series against Milwaukee, and, and, and look, I, I think these games against divisional opponents down the stretch mean more than they do at the beginning of the year. Now, I, I, I realize in a literal sense, a win is a win and a loss is a loss, but I do think these games are more important, and, and I know this is uh, creating some conversation. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Joe, you disagree with that idea, don't you? Yes, I do. They're, they're not. A win is a win. They seem more important because there's fewer games left, but if you wouldn't have squandered some of their early games, you wouldn't have, to, you wouldn't have this problem, right? Well, and look, the Brewers want to win somewhere 14 or 15 in a row or 18 out of 20 or something, then there's a lot less pressure on them. These seem more important because, of course, we've come down to the fact that most of the top of the Central Division in the National League is pretty even up. Yes, sir. But the reality is, you would have had more wins in April. You wouldn't be in this position to have to worry about beating a guy that's beat you six out of the last ten times. No, Joe, one of my favorite expressions when it comes to baseball is a game you win in April is a game you don't have to win in August or in September. And I completely agree. And in a literal sense, 
the games are all weighted the same, but but couldn't I argue that, you know, you lose a couple to the Cubs in April, you have time to figure out, okay, how can we improve here? Do we need to make a trade? Do we need to shift the lineup? And by this time of the year, you don't really have that time. So don't you think there's a little bit more urgency? And maybe I'm just saying as a fan, these games mean more because it seems like we're, we're running up against the end of the season here and, and opportunities are running out. Well, that's true. But again, you had the same opportunities in April and May. And if you would have won more of those games, you wouldn't have to worry about it quite so much. No, I... And it's, it's not like you have control over this. I understand that. But it's logically fallacious to think that this game matters more than the other game. Yeah, they seem like they do, and they sure feel like they do. And it kills you when you lose these games at the end to the teams you're in your division. But again, the reality is... If you would have won more earlier, you would have less to worry about now. No, I, the games the games matter the same all year long. You should play with your hair on fire all year long, and then worry about it. If someone beats you, they beat you. I think Joe. I think you should be coaching and managing the Milwaukee Brewers because I love your attitude and I appreciate your call. Uh, talking about whether these division games late in the season mean more. Now, now I made a comment that they do. I think the games right now against the Cardinals are, are more emphasized, at least by fans. Right, we make a bigger deal out of them. I think when the Brewers lose two of three to the Cubs early on, you live with it, right? Because you have an entire season to get it figured out, quote-unquote. And with the Cardinals, this couldn't be more true because the season is was segmented so much. The Brewers had three or four series with the Cardinals right away, and then basically the entire summer off, right? They didn't play the Cardinals again until last night, late April until middle of August. They had a lot of time. To, to acquire tra- talent, to make trades, to, to call players up, to send players down, to tweak the lineup. And, and it kind of feels like the entire regular season, hundreds of games, right, is, is tweaking, is improving, is learning how to get better for this last month or two, especially in a division that is so jam-packed. I'm not discounting the importance of early season games. I, I had somebody text me uh, three weeks ago and, and made the comment, like I said, that games you win in April are games you then don't have to win in September or August. And I could not agree more with that sentiment. I love it because when you have opportunities to win, you need to take them, right? I mean, how many years ago was it now? Two, three years ago when the Brewers missed the playoffs by one game. And all season long, we were talking about that damn game where Manny Pena came up and they didn't have him bunt, right? Was it against Tampa Bay? For whatever reason, I think it was against the Rays. I can't remember, but I remember Manny Pena. Everybody thought he should have bunted. He didn't, and it was a point of contention for what felt like all season long, and wouldn't you know it, uh, the deficit in the division and the wild card race came down to one game. The Brewers missed the playoffs by one game. I'm not discounting the importance of early season division games, but you certainly have time to adjust should you lose those early season games. The Brewers can't afford to, to be stubbing their toe night in and night out in division games in September and in August because eventually you just run out of chances, right? And I know you want to see athletes, you want to see coaches play like you said, Joe, with their hair on fire and with a high level of energy all season long, but it's not really the nature of baseball, right? I think you drive yourself crazy. Craig Council's got to do a press conference every day. He's got to do He's got to meet with the media in the dugout beforehand. He's got to do a post-game press conference. He's got to do 162 starting lineups, batting orders. He's got to call guys up, move them down over months, over a good majority of the year, right? I think you need to take a little bit more even-keeled approach, and and that might lead to, might, valuing some games more than others. Because I don't know if you can bang the table and and flip over the the buffet table in the locker room after every loss, because players just get worn out. So I do think coaches 
and teams and fans and, and everyone involved naturally puts more weight on some games, right? You circle uh, that that series against the Cubs with a week to go in the regular season because you know there's something on the line, right? And I think the Brewers do play with urgency against the Cubs and the Cardinals every time out, but these, these series later on in the year are, are certainly under the microscope. Now, it is unfortunate that the Brewers weren't able to win more games against lackluster opponents. It, it, it's unfortunate that they just lost games to a lot of teams they shouldn't have been losing to, right? The Giants, the Padres, the Rockies out West, that that West Coast road trip where they just couldn't get anything going. It's like, man, you're going to lose all these games to the Giants. You're going to lose all these games to the Padres. And I understand both of those teams have actually turned it around and, and are playing at least better than average now. They were dismal at the time that the Brewers met them. And you look back and you think, man, it's too bad that you weren't able to win an extra couple of games in July or in June, or even in April if you want to go all the way back, because then you wouldn't be counting on beating Michael Walker tonight. Then you wouldn't be dependent on beating the Cardinals, who have thrown three shutouts in their last seven games, and Michael Walker is a perfect 6-0 and against the Brewers in all of his starts, and he's held them under four runs in his last four outings. Like The Brewers have not hit Michael Walker. The Brewers have literally not lost to Michael Walker. And if you could go back and do it again, if you could go back and play all those games in, 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 in June and in April again, you'd like to win a couple more here and there because then you don't have to count on beating Michael Waka when all the chips are down, when the games are under the microscope the most in late August and in early September, right? I think we're going to look back at this season for the Brewers as, as a, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of wasted time, I think mostly with Keston Hira. Right, you think about all the time he was down in the minors, and now he's hitting at the top of the lineup. Right, you're you're reminded of Travis Shaw and how much time he was given, and Jesus Aguilar and how much time he was given, and that really drives me up the wall because what was it for? To finally get him hitting at a decent clip, only to trade him away for nothing. Right, you 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 spent the entire season trying to get Travis Shaw going, only to eventually say, okay, enough is enough. Now we'll send you down. Now will embarrass you. Now we'll, we'll, we'll ding your pride a little bit. I think this this season was a lot of wasted opportunity and a lot of wasted time to, to really circle back to what our caller said. All games are important. And if, and if Stearns and Council could go back, I think, Joe, they would take your advice and say, we should have emphasized winning in June and in April by keeping Keston Hira up here, by, by being more decisive with our players like Jesus Aguilar and Travis Shaw, right? Because I think the Brewers wasted a lot of time I think the Brewers wasted a lot of potential wins with the long-term goal in mind. Knowing that, okay, at the end of the season, well, we get we get to play the Cardinals, we get to play the Cubs. Well, now you have to beat the Cardinals. You have to beat the Cubs or you're going to miss the playoffs. And that's certainly the 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 way these, this Brewers team is trending. Only three games over 500. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Bob says it's not being unfair at all with all the high-powered Brewers uh, hitters. Only one hit last night. Don't jump off the wagon. I'm a Minnesotan, and I'm not. Well, okay. Bob, and I appreciate the 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 uh, the optimism and the enthusiasm. I think we need a little bit of that. It's not like we're the Baltimore Orioles here. It's not like we're, we're trying to cheer on the Baltimore Orioles and, and in just a dismal organization. I, I don't think it's unfair to be critical of the Brewers, and I don't think it's unfair to say... Watching last night's game sucked. I would have rather done something else, and I'll be and I'll admit it. You can't get one hit. You can't get shut out in a game of that importance with all the emphasis on offense, right? 
This offseason, the Brewers didn't go out and sign a high-priced pitcher. They didn't bring back Wade Miley. They brought back Mike Moustakis. And they went out and got Yasmani Grandal saying, offense, offense, offense. Well, last night was the type of game that that offense should come out to play. Right? When you emphasize, when you really put value on the offense and they don't show up, uh, you're kind of left with your thumb up your you-know-what, you know? Uh, another texter says, so easy to complain about what they didn't do in June because hindsight is always twenty twenty. Look, <laughs> Keston here should have been in the lineup. All right? I, look, I think he should have been on the opening day roster knowing what we know now. And you're right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. But after seeing what he did, man, sending him down sure feels like a mistake now, right, with hindsight. Look, spending all the time on Jesus Aguilar only to to finally get him going and then trade him away... Seems like a mistake. And we do have the benefit of hindsight right now, but I think if if David Stearns and Craig Council learned anything this season, it's that you can't waste time. Right? Every game counts. Every game matters, even though these late, late season divisional games seem more important. They're definitely more focused on. We shouldn't have wasted all that time with Keston Hira. Right? We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have wasted all that time with Hazy Sagular because if we could go back and do it again, we would have put a little bit more emphasis on performance on winning and not which player has, you know, the most, I don't know, the most achievements, the most accomplishments like Travis Shaw. Well, he hit 40, you know, 35 homers for this team. Well, sometimes you got to focus on winning games and not about protecting your players' feelings. Just my two cents. But yes, definitely hindsight is twenty twenty. And going back, I think the Brewers front office and maybe even Craig Council would do a couple things differently. We got to continue uh, the conversation. Unfortunately, not about the Brewers. They'll play again tonight, uh, 640 first pitch, 610 pregame here on WKTY. Uh, I want to talk a little football before we get Drew Kelly in here to talk local football. It's a big time right now for the Packers. We're halfway through the preseason, and they had their their last practice available to the media yesterday. We got a couple of things to address. We got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, and then, of course, we'll talk local local sports, local football with Drew Kelly coming up right before 6 o'clock. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. You're listening to WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 580 AM, 96.7 FM. You can always stream us live at WKTYsports.com. And on our mobile app, and, and speaking of our website, you can win Brickyard 400 tickets right now. Just go to WKTYsports.com, get signed up. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm excited for tonight because the third episode of Hard Knocks comes out, right? Do you watch Hard Knocks? It's an interesting day we live in where I have a Netflix subscription, a Hulu subscription, an HBO subscription. Now, okay, I may not be the one to pay for all these things, but I have th- I have three logins, right? That's what matters. I have a username and a password, uh, and of course, Hard Knocks on HBO. Do you watch Hard Knocks? I, it's always been, up until this year, It's it's been one of those things that I've followed along. You know, I've watched clips and I've read recaps, but I've never actually watched. This year, I'm watching. Uh, I, I've, I have an HBO account because... I wanted to watch a couple different things. I wanted to watch Game of Thrones, so I, I, I finally splurged. And by splurge, I don't mean paid for it. I finally asked a friend uh, that I <laughs> that I know as HBO uh, and asked if I could use his login, so that's what I'm doing. Uh, Hard Knocks is basically, if you're not familiar, it's just a reality show, and it's NFL training camp, and they have a different team every year, uh, and you get to see some behind-the-scenes stuff. Not everything, but you get to see interactions with coaches and players and practices. You don't see schemes, right? You don't see playbooks. You just see interactions and, and the interesting stuff, right? It's a TV show. And the Raiders are on Hard Knocks this year, right? John Gruden, Antonio Brown, Derek Carr, 
Richie Incognito, Vontez Perfect, right? A lot of big personalities, should be a little bit of drama, and there certainly has been with Antonio Brown, right? And Antonio Brown's just been getting rolled, right? And I heard uh, Jim Rome talking about it earlier today, of course, his show on, on WK2 every day from 2 until uh, 5 o'clock. Bill Michaels has been talking about it. Dan Patrick's certainly been talking about it. And I know Dave and Scrady in the morning have been talking about it. The NFL doesn't really put up with crap like this, right? Why do you think the Steelers were so okay with trading Antonio Brown, who who might just be the best wide receiver in the league? Why do you think they were okay with trading him in the first place? He had two years left on his deal because he was noisy, right? The NFL is is hands down the most authoritarian, conservative sports league, right? The NFL and its brand is bigger than any star. It's bigger than any coach. It's bigger than any one game, right? The the NBA, for example, relies on its stars. If there was no LeBron, there was no Kevin Durant, people aren't, aren't, aren't watching the NBA for the history, right? They're not tuned in to see the league and the sport that's America. They're tuning in to see LeBron James or Giannis or James Harden, right? The NFL is all about the brand, right? It's very authoritarian. It's very conservative. And, and coaches and front offices and and the entire league front office, Roger Goodell included, right? They're not okay with noise. They're not okay with loud players, with opinionated players. I mean, Bill Belichick's certainly not okay with that, right? And he's been the most successful coach. Odell Beckham Jr. might be be another guy who might be the best wide receiver in the league, and the Giants just signed him and traded him away, right? Colin Kaepernick was great, right, under the right coach and in the right moment, and, and you would certainly think, well, he could at least be a backup somewhere, right? If not an okay starting quarterback, and I know he fell off a cliff as a starter, and that's probably a reason why he isn't in the league, combined with the noise he makes, the drama he brings. I'd feel much better with Colin Kaepernick as our backup than Deshaun Kaiser, but the Packers don't want to do that because it's noise, because it's a circus, right? Antonio Brown frostbit his feet, rolled into camp in a hot air balloon, and now doesn't want to wear a certain kind of helmet, although now it looks like he's reported, and I'm sure we'll get an update on Hard Knocks tonight on exactly what's going on in the 2019 saga of Antonio Brown, right? And all this noise is not tolerated in the NFL. In the NBA, you put up with it. His superstars drive your team, sell tickets, sell jerseys, and ultimately get people to watch, makes makes the league relevant. The NFL doesn't need any one certain player to make the league float, right? Tom Brady retires, he'll be fine. Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, there's a lot of good young players. No one player drives it. Not even Antonio Brown, not even Odell Beckham Jr. The NFL does not tolerate noise, right? Well, what about noise that Aaron Rodgers might have made, right? So earlier today, Baker Mayfield, uh, and, and Jim Rome was just talking about this on the Rome Report, came out and said, I don't know why the Giants drafted Daniel Jones. Are you kidding me? People forget, you actually got to win games, right? He came out hard. Just today, Baker Mayfield is out making noise. And Aaron Rodgers is, is not really the, outside of a, a quote here or two that's directly disagreed with play calling or something, he's, he's not too bad, but he, he certainly is noisy, okay? He, here's what I mean. So, in the, in the locker room uh, after Sunday's practice, he was asked about uh, the preseason. Is it necessary to play in the preseason? Is it, is it really necessary, right? And Aaron Rodgers unloaded talk about noise okay now none of this might be uh actually controversial but he just goes on and on and on I'm going to read you some of the things that he said right and and this is this is pages I'm not going to read it all but can we get some can we get some background music here right, this is perfect he says I think it's the way we practice the way that we practice we do a number of periods where it is called a period where it's unscripted move the ball 
where he's calling the plays in. I have to get us lined up and the play game is the guys in the right manner and the alignments and the assignments and the movement and the motion. We've done a number of those periods and, and that's the work that gives you confidence that this is not going to be a growing process from a play caller to a quarterback standpoint. It is what it is. The preseason, you don't carry those wins over to the regular season. I, I do find it interesting that some teams get a pass this time of year. The Rams don't play anyone, and not many people talk about that fact. Now, the counter would be, well, this is a new system. I get it, but we've spent a number of practices from May and June and training camp in July, and now in August, running this stuff, running unscripted periods where he has to call the play, and I feel very comfortable in this offense conceptually, philosophically, enunciating the plays, getting us in the right formation, getting the checks within the play easily figured out. And I, I feel very comfortable with it. If I didn't play, I'd feel great going into week one. If we did, I wouldn't be worried too much about the results. If we go and score a touchdown, it's not going to give me more confidence than I already have in the scheme. If we go three and out, it's not going to dampen any confidence I have. And, and that's what we've established so far in, in training camp practices. Whoa. He just unloaded. Like that, that's too much for me to absorb. He just rants and keeps going and going and going. And that's not calling out a coach. That's not calling out a teammate, although he's done both in the past. I think in, in not a disrespectful way, not an over-the-line type of way, but he's certainly been critical in the past. This is just another long quote, another rant. And, and trust me, I don't think we're all entirely fair. Right? If Aaron Rodgers gives us a cliche, we think he's boring. Right? If he, sa- if he doesn't say anything, he's not accessible to the media. And if he talks too long, then it's noisy. Okay, I, I was talking to a to a coworker uh, here at, at at work. This was probably last week or two weeks ago, and we're talking about Aaron Rodgers because he's not always a huge fan. Doesn't like the drama he brings. Doesn't like his his need to be flashy and go for the big play. And 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 this coworker is one of the biggest Packer fans I know. Texts the show all the time, and I said, "What do you think? What do you think about this latest Aaron Rodgers quote?" Right, and he goes, "Just, just never ends. Just shut up. Just." Just give a boring answer and just go about your business, right? You don't have to rant forever. You don't have to give a hot take. Just just shut up sometimes, okay? And, and I think yesterday's quote uh, probably, or su- Sunday's quote, probably is has something to do with that, right? And he just, sometimes he just talks a lot. So what is an ideal quarterback? What is the way for a quarterback to behave ideally, right? Because everybody loves Baker Mayfield and his attitude and, and how players rally around him. And he comes out today and says, man, Daniel Jones stinks. I don't know why the Giants drafted him. Like, people overthink it. Do you know they have to win games? They need to win games? That's a goal? And everybody, oh, man, Baker Mayfield coming in hot. Aaron Rodgers says a hot quote, and we're talking about it for days. What what do you want a quarterback to be? Tom Brady? Just give cookie-cutter answers? That's certainly what I'd prefer. It's something that I want to pay attention to moving forward. Because Aaron Rodgers gets a little bit more vocal every single day, every single week. Something to watch. And that quote was a monster. It's like, well, if I don't play, fine. If I do play, fine. I'll be ready for the regular season. Move along. End scene, right? I think sometimes we'd appreciate that. We'd prefer that. I'm excited. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Drew Kelly, the voice of sports on WIZM and here on WKTY. We have two huge games. High school football is starting this week, and it's exciting. we got to touch base so we know what we need to know for Thursday and Friday. Drew Kelly uh, is joining us in just a couple of moments, uh, and we'll wrap up the show. The Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Talked a lot of good Packers and Brewers. Some uh, some impassioned opinions today. Some very passionate uh, calls, very passionate takes. If you want to uh, catch up what you missed out on WKTYsports.com, uh, we'll have the podcast. And we're giving away tickets to the Brickyard 400 as well. So while you're there, get signed up. 
Uh, Drew Kelly, the voice of sports here on WKTY and on WIZM, our sister station, uh, is joining us. And Drew, you're you're kind of a regular during football season, during basketball season. It's been a while. What's up, dude? Uh, it's great to be back. I, I can't believe, I mean, basically the first week of football means the summer's over, which is a little mm. bit of a depressing thought. Uh, but you're yeah. still going to have 85-degree days that these players are going to be uh, strapping on the pads. So the weather isn't totally gone. But, I mean, once you get into football season, it's like, then it's Christmas before you know it. It goes so quickly, it though. It does. I remember one game, I think it was at Holman, uh, where it wasn't even late. The Brewers were playing in the NLCS. This wasn't even a playoff game. Yep. And I'm like, dude, I needed to bring gloves. Like, I needed to bring <laughs> a big jacket. I Like, I underdressed. And I remember uh, some announcers from a different station in town were up there, and they were in, like, button-down shirts and a tie. Yeah. Like, they didn't have jackets. I'm like, man, the weather gets cold so quickly. So I, know. I definitely yeah, You got to be prepared, for sure. Oh, man. It, and summer does fly once football starts. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, classes at UWL start. Uh, last week is the next week of summer. That's basically the the terrible, sad way that so I... So now the traffic gets 15 times worse. Oh, there's more people. Yep. It's just it's just horrible. It We're is. having it a great is. summer, so I'm, I'm sorry for, for uh, our listeners who just absolutely despise students being in town. Yeah. I, I understand it. I'm not going <laughs> to say I don't get it. But uh, students coming back means high school football starting. I mean, fall is going to be in full swing. This week we have a game on Thursday and Friday, as we do next week, so... North is going to be playing at Lacrosse Central. That's Eau Claire North uh, at Central on Thursday night. Memorial at Logan on Friday night. And you and I are going to be doing both of those games yep. together. Uh, I mean, Central, I'm not going to lie. Central kind of stole my heart as, as much as I can get into high school football yep. of teams that don't have like my kids or my siblings or a school <laughs> that I went to. Like Central really got me into high school football in this area. So let's actually save them for last. What's another team as we're starting to, to learn and to read, do you have another team in, in the Mississippi Valley uh, that that's actually kind of piquing your interest? Because I know Central is the easy answer. Yeah, but. but I think you have to start with the champions. I think Holman, who has won the MVC two out of the last three years, I mean, they've got to be beaten in order for somebody to be named the champion and yep. be worthy of them to be talked about first, I think. And obviously with the Davis Twins and also Terrence Thompson coming out of this team, uh, that's going to be the flashy pick in the headlines and whatnot. But Holman has over 100 kids. On their program, which is big program, which is amazing as far as numbers overall, they're dropping almost everywhere else uh, in high, in high school football in the country. Holman not having that problem. They have three returning quarterbacks, and we used to we were broadcasting games later in the season. Ryland Wall was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They had two quarterbacks that went down previous to that, so they've got a lot of weapons at their disposal at quarterback. And obviously, the triple option, your quarterback gets hit yeah. almost every single play, whether he has the ball or not. So they have to be able to have some options there. Uh, Brett Holden, the fullback that uh, just rams people uh, up the middle, he's back as well, over 900 yards uh, rushing last year. So he's going to be a main focal point. And they're always physical. I mean, that that's the one thing that we saw uh, even in that game against Alaska. We thought it was going to be a, bar- a barn burner. Of course and not. Holman just completely obliterated them just with their physicality and their ability to burn the clock down and make sure that you know, you're not going to be able to uh, throw on them. And so it's going to be... Uh, Another season in which I think Holman has a good shot of, of reclaiming their crown. Well, I think Holman is that one team that, surprisingly enough, people don't talk about. Like We talk about Logan. We talk about Central. I mean, even on Alaska uh, with Coach Yashinsky, their offense has been so great. Yep. Nobody ever talks about Holman. And, and Holman reminds me a lot. Like, I'm from Menominee, so I, I watched football. I never played football, but I watched football <laughs> in the Big Rivers Conference. And that's something that I always noticed, even in down years with teams like Menominee and Hudson and Rice. Like, even in down years where maybe the talent wasn't as great and you didn't have a lot of players going on to play college football, they were still going to be physical. They were still going to beat you up and they were going to control things where they could, which is in the trenches because right. we have a lot of bodies. Yep. We're all in the weight room and our, and our players are 
bought in. And, and that's kind of what I see in Holman. Like, even if we don't have the greatest talent, we're going to make you earn it if you're yeah. going to beat us. No doubt. And I think the one thing, even for the other competitors and the other teams in the conference, it's hard to prepare for. I mean, it's like people's, like Georgia Tech in college football. Yeah. Like, if you have a non-conference game with them, then maybe you can kind of prepare over the summer or whatever. But in a week-to-week basis, it's so... That offense is so bizarre, the triple option offense, that nobody else is doing in the conference. Most people are spread offense, uh, maybe handed off every once in a while, but it's going to be a lot of passing, a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of you know schemes in which you're going to have to put a lot of uh, defensive backs out in there. And basically, this is exact opposite. And you're going to have to put a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of linebackers, and there's going to be a lot of uh, cornerbacks that are going to have to play up on the line of scrimmage and be more physical than they normally are. So I think it's uh, beneficial to that. And then all of a sudden, they throw out that play action, and the tight end is wide open down the seam. We saw that how many times in that oh, Alaska yeah. game. Ugh. You know, they'd run six plays right up the middle, and then he would actually uh, drop back to pass, and the tight end would just be uh, alone with nobody within 20 yards of him uh, for an easy touchdown. Well, and that's why I think Holman is so successful. Drew Kelly uh, joining us here last couple minutes of the Wisco Sports Show. I, I think that's why Holman is, with that triple option, is so entertaining because football is the ultimate team sport, right? You have to do your job, and if one player on that defense misses uh, an assignment or yep. responsibility, then the whole play goes to hell, no matter how good of a job the other 10 players are doing. And I think you ask a lot of high school players, right, on defense to account for each and every little thing. And I think that's why Holman has been so successful and they've obviously been winning uh, the Mississippi Valley Conference. I wanted to ask you about Central a little bit. Yep. They are that team when you say they're actually running the spread offense. Right. Which you don't always see. I never saw in the Big Rivers because, like you said, people would just beat the the pulp out of each other, yeah. yeah. Nobody was spreading it out, and that's what Central's been doing, and they have Johnny Davis, they have Jordan Davis, Terrence Thompson is coming out, like you said, and they just have a lot of really fast, talented players to, to spread the field. Can you win, can you sustain success in high school with a flashy offense like that? Because that's something that you see, I mean, Wisconsin, UW-Madison can't handle that. Yeah, Like, they haven't been able to handle running an offense like that the last couple of years. Do you think Central can actually make a, a, a deep run into the playoffs like they did last year? Well, you're going to have to have a once-in-a-generation type talent, which I think Johnny Davis is, especially the way he can run with the football as well. I mean, they could obviously go with Peter Fleming, the running back, do a read option, and still have that of uh, kind of a, a threat in the backfield, mm-hmm. so to say, so you're not having to double Jordan Davis on the outside. And then obviously with Terrence Thompson coming in, that provides a whole other challenge uh, for people to try to you know account for him. What's he going to do? Is it going to be more blocking? Is he going to be more... On the outside, obviously he's six five, so I, I would yeah. imagine you know they're gonna <laughs> spread him out a little bit. He looks taller um, than six five. Yeah, and uh, talking to Coach Service this morning, runs a four eight forty. He's that fast. Yeah, which is, and he said he was kind of surprised by it as well. So I mean, it's just a weapon that uh, definitely they're gonna have to take advantage of. Uh, the one question mark about Central, their defense lost a lot of uh, seniors, especially in the secondary. So I think the offense is really gonna have to carry their weight the first few weeks until the off the defense can. Uh, especially the secondary can get kind of their mojo and whatnot. Uh, and a lot of the seniors that did leave, David Hayden, DeAndre Davis, were big parts of that team last year. Yeah. And so um, we'll have to see if Jordan Davis can make that next step and be the guy. And uh, obviously he's going to take a lot of the attention. Uh, and so hopefully other you know players below them can step up as well. Yeah, De- I loved watching DeAndre Davis. We didn't get to see as much of him in basketball, yeah. but in football, he, he just he's a guy who just played angry. Yeah. Like, here's a guy, but like <laughs> he was angry all yeah. the time. He, he was difficult to bring down. He always finished plays. I, I want to go back to something you said. So so Central w- with a young secondary, which means hopefully their front seven. Yeah, their both... front seven is definitely going to be a lot more experienced. Yeah, so, so you ask them to, to pick up the slack, you know, make the quarterback get the ball out of his hands sooner. And make life easier for that secondary. Now, Central's going to be playing Eau Claire North. And if you're familiar with 
if you're familiar with high school football, <laughs> in the Big Rivers or the MVC or anywhere on this side of the state, North is not actually, uh, it's not a program to be proud of, yeah, to put it, to put it over a long period of time. Like, this isn't an indictment on any one group of players. Like, this is a program that's never really gotten off the ground. Uh, in prepping for this game a little bit, because I'm going to be there on Thursday night with you, I, I don't hear a lot of great things about North. I've heard some good things about Memorial and, and their chances on beating Logan. What have you heard about the the, the pair of Eau Claire schools so far? Yeah, Loyal Crawford is their uh, running back from uh, Memorial, has already committed to the University of Wisconsin. They're going to be playing um, uh, the Rangers on Friday night. We'll mm-hmm. be there at Logan. Uh, so talking to Coach Noble, uh, you know, revamping their offense a little bit. Um, they had uh, their running back that, is basically gone now over 800 yards. So they're going to have to revamp that. Only four touchdowns passing, so they're going to have to get a little bit better of a passing game. Um, and they have some losses, uh, 60 kids or so. They say they're usually working at about 80 players. So uh, that's going to be an interesting uh, season to kind of see if they can revamp uh, the style and the proud history that they have. You know, they've been a program that has qualified for the playoffs pretty much every year. Yeah. But the last couple of years, they've been slipping as far as the actual record. They'll get in the playoffs, but they won't be as... Uh, a threat once they get there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they progress throughout the season. Well, for Memorial, too, it's interesting because the Big Rivers, their conference, and now River Falls is jumping into the MVC, so right. River Falls is out of there, but let's include River Falls for now. Like, the last 10 years, it's been so it's it's so stratis- stratified, right? Because because Rice Lake is always great, but they're Division Three. Menominee's usually very good. Hudson's usually very good. Hudson's Division One. Menominee's Division Two. Yeah. And, and then... So Memorial is one of the few Division One teams in that conference. It makes them a little bit easier to get into the playoffs routinely. I, I, I'm interested to see how Memorial plays. I'm really interested to see how North plays because, honestly, I just... Can they ever have a good season? <laughs> can they ever be good? I mean, that, that's a question. Because I remember even in their most enthusiastic moments when I was in the Eau Claire area and when there would be hope it would just come crashing down in some sort of catastrophic loss. <laughs> so maybe central. Can, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So like prediction, what do you, how do you think these games, I'm not going to ask you a score or anything yeah. like that, but from what you know, and from what we've learned so far, how do you picture these games shaping up on Thursday and Friday? I think central wins uh, fairly easily, quite frankly, um, just the way their offense has the ability to score, yep. especially right off the bat with Jordan and Johnny. Uh, Logan is going to be, I think a, a tough physical game, obviously with the running back for uh, Memorial being so good. And uh, Logan's going to want to try and uh, have their brand of football be imposed on Memorial. So I think it's a low-scoring game. I'll say it's a toss-up. Sure, sure. Both (laughs) games on our sister station, WIZM, by the way. Drew, I guess I'll talk to you, and and we'll be on the air on Thursday night. I can't wait. Sounds good. Can't wait. Yeah, thanks, Drew, for joining us, too. That's the Wisco Sports Show, and I'm very excited. We're going to be calling games on Thursday and on Friday, both on our sister station, WIZM. So the Packers are going to be here on Thursday. Brewers are going to be here, and I mean WKTY on Friday. Check WKTYsports.com for the full schedule because this time of year is very hectic. I don't want you to miss out uh, on your favorite team's games. We'll be back tomorrow. Joe Zola is going to join the show. We'll talk more local sports, and we're going to continue to talk Brewers as well because that was uh, quite the point of contention today. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.